Metabulous 2 podcast on the original Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio drama, episode 3. Hello everyone, and welcome. My name is not important. It's... Oh, oh you came straight in with a joke there, and I, I, and I, I, I couldn't... Couldn't think of a rejoinder. Oh well, what's my that? name is also not important. <laughs> right now. Hey Ben, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing as well as might be expected under the circumstances. Yep, our lockdown continues, and yet another Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that we can talk about. So, you want to set us up for Fit the Third? Why are they called Fits? Why are they called Fits? I have no idea. Okay, but Fits. I have the original Hitchhiker's Radio Scripts book here, which was edited by the producer Jeffrey Perkins and that is what each episode is called fit 1 through 12 so at least since 1985 when that book was published they've been the fits i don't know good old jeffrey perkins yep. he's no longer with us sadly uh, also yeah well neither is dna That's but true. Uh, oh well all right okay so there's starting to be some plots yeah it's starting to happen here we arrive on the uh, the planet of magrathia there's some famous... Uh, we start to actually get into some of the stuff that everyone remembers. The bits of Hitchhikers where even people who don't like the show that much know about. So, you know, mm-hmm. so long, thanks for all the fish. Yep. Um, dolphins, white mice. Yep. Um, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we have the whale at the very beginning. And, the and who, 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 who plays the whale? It's Stephen Thing again, isn't it? It's Stephen Moore. It yeah. is Stephen Moore. I thought I thought he plays the whale. The mm-hmm. whale was always one of my favorite characters, actually. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Oh, coming back up to meet me. Hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of a brutal scene when you think about it. He puts a whale in middle of space and lets it plummet to Earth, and then makes uh, crass jokes about all the whale meat on the ground when they land the heart of gold. Well, it was it was with the nineteen seventies. I mean, we were still weren't we still catching and eating whales at that point? Uh. I wasn't, but <laughs> maybe they were in the UK. I don't know. Who knows? Um, I have to say, at the very beginning, I did really enjoy... Um, I love the Magrathia music, mm-hmm. the kind of bongos. Um, I don't know whether that's from anything, but um, I love that music. That music is really great. Aha, uh-huh, yeah. That's by a German group called Between oh. from their 1971 album Einstieg. And the track is called Kota Kamben. Wow. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I should look. What's it called? Kota Kabom by Einstein? Or Einstein uh, by Kota Kabom? No, it's Kota Kamben. The album is Einstieg. And the group is Between. Rupa Between. Jesus. Right, okay. Well, I better look that up because I'm not going to be able to remember what you just said because it's too complicated. That's okay. I'll send you a link. The other thing, <laughs> and again, I'd forgotten this joke, which is actually... a friggin' hilarious joke is that uh, Marvin the Paranoid Android can hum like like a band. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> can hum like Pink Floyd. Exactly. Cause you shine like, on your crazy diamond and rock and roll music Exactly. Because you, you think, oh, it's super cool. Like, they've got the intro to, you know, Wish You Were Here, Shine On Your Crazy Diamond Part 1 or whatever <laughs> it is. And, like, and then there was just Marvin being irritating. <laughs> right. <laughs> Providing, and, like, an ironic prog rock background for the um for the arrival <laughs> of magrathia that, that is ge- a genuinely hilarious joke um the other hilarious jokes i wrote down is um is basically eddie um this is another phrase we used to use at school which is like call me eddie um if it will help you relax <laughs> as they plummet to the 
<laughs> nuclear missiles speed towards their spaceship. Um, and, and he's singing a, and, a death or a when we walk through the stars. Yep, yep. If you, and you'll never walk alone. So that was the um, nope. Which is another. Uh, which actually, that's on. That's on. That's another Pink Floyd thing. Actually, that's on one of Pink Floyd's records. Um, huh. But it's the uh-huh. it's the kind of famous anthem for Liverpool Football Club. <laughs> you'll never walk alone. And you'll never no, I, I did not know that. So the sound design is awesome in this, and this really is again good. BBC. BBC Radiophonic Workshop, uh, Patty Kingsland, I think, uh, was uh, helping along with this. But Adams really knew what he wanted and how he wanted this yeah. program to go. And that's why it went out on, as a drama rather than as a comedy bit, because as a BBC radio drama, right. they could do stereo. If they did it as a comedy, they would have been mono and they wouldn't have been able to mess with the channels and yeah. it just wouldn't have sound as... Awesome. And I think I can remember, I mean, I had these big bucket headphones that I listened to it on. Mm-hmm. And um, I can remember, I can remember the, I can remember the stereo. No, the sound design is brilliant. And again, you know, all the way through, I mean, the, just, you know, these music choices. So, you know, Pink Floyd and the Eagles, and it's, it's so obviously the music that Douglas Adams likes. Right. You know, even if it's used kind of ironically, it's, you know, it's still his music. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's great, really. Yeah. 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 And uh, Eddie has a emergency backup personality, which is uh, <laughs> David Tate doing a woman's uh, kind of a Monty Python uh, woman's voice. Yeah, kind of strict, <laughs> kind of American school mom of some kind. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is, uh-huh. So you, you, you didn't, you did, you, that, was, that was your least, that was your kind of the second division Eddie voice for you? <laughs> yeah, that's not my preferred Eddie voice on right. that one. <laughs> Good afternoon, Good boys. A- I'm Byros. So did you have any idea what a biro was? Straight, flew straight over the head. So what, what, what the hell did you think they were talking about? I had no idea. I, I didn't find that out until later. And it's uh, disposable pens, right? It's what you would call a ballpoint, yeah. A Bix, I think, would be... A Bic, yeah, I yeah. guess. And then that, that's what Mark Gatiss used, Bic Biro, as the pen name in War of the Worlds, uh, the, his, his big finished drama. With the eighth, oh, eighth doctor, course, that was yeah. the pen name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I still, I still, in my mind, think about kind of biroid life forms and how that's <laughs> kind of funny. Um, because, of course, I mean, you, you know, you know why they're called biroids, don't you? Is it a company or the inventor? Or? Well, who invented the first ballpoint pen? That would be Laszlo Biro. Oh, okay. So it's named after him. Yeah, it is. He's a <laughs> Hungarian man. Uh-huh. He invented the first ballpoint pen in 1938. Yep. That's a fact. That's just not. Uh... <laughs> communicated in American, probably because an, an American, Thomas Edison, did not invent the ballpoint pen. So <laughs> one of the many things he did, he didn't invent. Um, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't just do a little kind of audio footnote on the American version. Go, <laughs> it's a ballpoint pen. Nope, it's something I'm not sure really has much relevance today. Ballpoint pens with uh, losing ballpoint pens. Do, do people still use them much? Yeah, I was oh, using one okay. today. Oh, okay. What kind of pen do you use? I just type everything. Like, a, like an astronaut's pen from space? <laughs> no, I just type everything. I, oh, I, well, I, I famously am unable to type. Ah, okay. So um, I, use, I use a pen a lot. Hmm, okay. Yeah. People I know usually are either typing onto their phone or doing voice to text. or They're very, very little writing. In fact, it's my writing has degenerated so much that it's pretty hard to... I have to really concentrate for it. Interesting. To, Interesting. He'd be legible. 
Oh, well, obviously, the people you work, work, work with are from the future, so... Um, <laughs> paperless office. Paperless office, there you go. Actually, officeless office right now, but... <laughs> I mean, I suppose, I mean, what he should have done, he should have made it about socks. Because mm. they're famous, I mean, I think on both sides of the Atlantic, socks disappear. Without, yeah, but you know... this wasn't written for the American audience in mind at all. There's, no, it's written for this, the British audience This is very British. Well, the other thing I've also noticed was the obvious kind of irritation with recorded messages... <laughs> um, and because of course in 19 you know 79 78 79 like we didn't really we didn't have answer phones mm-hmm. um you couldn't leave a message mm-hmm. or if you could you were like some kind of expensive american wannabe kind of person i remember just being astounded by the intro to the to the rockford files and like what what is what is that thing that's answering <laughs> his phone for him that's bizarre this is jim rockford at the tone leave your name and message i'll get back to you because mm-hmm. of course, until until Margaret Thatcher came along, um, all phones were owned by the government. Right. Yeah. It was the same thing in the U.S. All phones were owned by American Telegraph and Telephone, and which, which was with, a private company, not the government. But yeah, still. it was a private company, and then through deregulation, everyone had a chance to buy their Ma Bell phones. Wow, I didn't know. Was was that was that Reagan? I that? think that was during the Reagan years. Yeah, during the Reagan years. Huh. They broke up AT and T. AT and T. Well, there you go. So there's there's an analogy, but there's yeah, uh, there is. It's, it's uh, it was private company, big monopoly private company, rather than government owned. Hmm. So there's a couple of things that all this was reminding me of, if anyone's interested, is um, I get a very strong Forbidden Planet vibe from the uh, the Magrathian Planet Factory of Slarty Barfast, mm-hmm. very kind of Krell machine. I think I, I, again, I would be surprised. Because they used to play it like basically every couple of weeks on the BBC in the 1970s, huh. uh, the movie for, uh-huh. Forbidden Planet. So mm-hmm. I would be surprised if Douglas Adams hadn't watched that film. And then I think the whole, the kind of intro um, about the kind of Magrathian culture and the kind of Galactic Empire, mm-hmm. that is very Ian e. M. Banks and the culture. Um, and again, I would be very surprised if Ian e. M. Banks, the famous science fiction author hadn't wasn't or hadn't also been a big fan of hitchhikers Mm -hmm. could be because once hitchhikers caught on it just was so um, it was huge yeah invasive or it just went into every nook and cranny of pop culture absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. yeah 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 the things that kind of stuck out to me is how Arthur really comes front and center in this, even though when he's sidelined by Zaphod when they're uh, taking over the Heart of Gold to try to evade the missiles, it's Arthur who comes up with the solution to press the infinite improbability drive. Uh, it's Arthur's arm that gets bruised. It's um, Zaphod, um, Ford, and Trillian go off exploring and get get shot at at the, in the tunnel, and it's Arthur who meets Slarty Bogfast. So it's it, it's pretty much we're seeing this all through Arthur's Arthur's eyes yeah. uh, at this point through in the drama, and the joke with Slarty Bogfast. Um, that his name is not important. If memory serves, that was uh, Adams having a go at the BBC typist who would be typing out this long name and the first mention of the character's name, he he said it wasn't important. So uh, assuming it's a she, she was typing out Slarty Bardfast in the scripts and then comes across the name is not important. And uh, it is. Uh, it's a little bit of a meta joke on right. <laughs> people working in the BBC. 
It's also very Dawkinsonian again. I mean, you know, yeah. it's you know, the world was not created by God, it was created by, you know, the whole <laughs> the whole idea that kind of universe is a giant accident. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's very it's 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 great. It's it's wonderful. It's very kind of anti religious, which I like. Well, but in a way, especially on the television, uh, Sorry Bardfast comes across as a godlike demeanor. And if you want to go really further, <laughs> since it was designed, it's intelligent design of Earth. It wasn't happenstance of planets colliding and all that. It was all intentionally designed, but it's intentionally designed as a computer by four mice by the Megrathians to run an experiment. So it, it still makes me think that uh, Dawkins is more of a performance piece of atoms rather than. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, else. you know, if the, if the if you know Slotty Barkfast is the um you know the sole uh, remnant of a, like kind of a race of gods the fact that he's a pompous ass with a stupid name um <laughs> is he pompous he, he's a bit pompous hmm. i mean he's more no maybe not pompous i more thought kind he was of kind like, of a doddering old man but... more kind of distracted um yeah. a kind of like yeah. deliberately not paying attention to things mm-hmm. i mean there's a very particular kind of old English person who kind of deliberately doesn't pay attention to things because <laughs> it's much more interesting to pretend that you don't care about anything than mm-hmm. so no he's he's a he's a definite type he's a definite yeah. type uh-huh. he, yeah. he's kind of a I, I kind of think of him as a like a model railroader where he's really focused in on his one thing, doing coastlines doing and this is, yeah, and doing all the lovely crinkly bits. He's and literally pining for the fjord. He is. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if the fjords in the whole Norway bit is uh, alluding back to Monty Python. I, it's I, I wouldn't be surprised if it isn't a mm-hmm. Python reference. Yeah, 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 very surprised because they were all at Cambridge as well, of course. So you know, Cambridge Mafia. <laughs> Did you pick up the? I mean, again, did you? What did you make of the no sex, please? We're um... amoeboids and garcilarians or whatever. Yeah. It, well, it, it's hard to remember what I thought at the time. That's obviously a play now on no sex, please. We're British, right? Oh, okay, you know about that. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is Which what is... a play, famous play. A Whitehall farce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and actually, I wrote something else down here. I just love how Arthur Dent insists on calling Marvin robot rather than <laughs> Marvin. <laughs> As if, again, he's a character in some kind of Isaac Asimov story, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, robots don't have names, they're just called robots. Right, yeah. It's yeah, hilarious. <laughs> uh, so, cool. the plot's moving along. We it are is. going to find out the big uh, ultimate question, why the Earth was made in the next episode. So, I think on that cliffhanger thank you for listening i have been fashioning coastlines with ben and i have been having no sex because i'm british (laughs) all right until tomorrow farewell Cool. Mm. All right. All right. That'll work. Yeah, good. Um, I will stop this.